All right, hey guys, welcome to Pursuing Jesus podcast. This is episode 13, and it's titled Becoming a Man. Now listen, if you're a female and you're listening to this, don't turn it off. This can help you, um, especially with finding a future spouse. What I'm going to explain are just some things that I've learned in my life that have helped me grow into a man from a boy. And if you're a woman listening to this or or a, a young lady, these are some qualities you should look for in a man. And uh, I I think it's going to help both genders. And I say both genders because there's only two. And uh, one thing a man does is he follows the Lord and he understands that science proves God and there are only two genders. And so today we're going to talk about becoming a man, which is one of those two. And I hate that I even had to say that, but 2022 you never know. Um, you know, by the end of the year, we could have a hundred new genders. In in air quotes, I say because we only recognize two. That's biblical. Anyways, this is not going to be that spicy of an episode. I'm sorry. Maybe it will. I don't know. Lord help me. Um, but I, I want to thank you quickly for listening, as I do every episode. Listen, I don't pre-record my intros and outros. I think those are great, but I genuinely want to thank you guys every time. And I genuinely want to give my updates every time. We can only do things like this because of you. You know, if no one listened, then why do this? Um, But you guys choose to listen, and it means so much. Thank you for listening. Thanks for following, for rating, for turning on the notifications so that you get updates. If you like what we're, you know, doing, then you'll get notified every time I post a new episode. Um, If you haven't already rated or left a review, please do that. It really helps. You know, we're climbing the ranks. And it's getting more and more awareness and more exposure. And that's because of the reviews and the ratings. So please, if you haven't, take a couple of minutes. Go on Spotify and go on Apple and just leave us an honest review. And on on Apple, you can actually leave a written review. So maybe you could do that. And as always, if you want to partner with us monthly, everything we do is free here. And it's sponsored by you guys. I don't have a sponsor. Um, you know, many of you know we're unpaid missionaries. We live totally off your support. And so we're asking people to consider a small monthly gift of $5 a month if you don't already support us. Maybe consider, you know, a coffee from Starbucks a month. You can give that $5 um, through Modern Day or through Anchor, which is the streaming service we use through this podcast. You can find out ways to give at shanewinnings.com. All right, let's get into this. I want to talk about how to become a man. Now, this isn't like my other episodes where we're really diving into pursuing Jesus. I mean, it's the name of the podcast, but I really felt like this was timely because if we're going to pursue Jesus and we're going to see him rightly, we need to understand what image we were made in. You know, Jesus was a boy who became a man and There's a verse in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But, that means there was a transformation, there was a change. But, when I became a man, I put away childish things. And I just felt it stirring in my heart. I have felt this desire to help men become a father and to help boys become men. And so I just wanted to do an episode on that. You know, I am working 
um, as a partner with Promise Keepers, and they are all about fathering the next generation. That is huge on my heart. But you know, I'm realizing there are some practical things that some of you have no idea about. And so maybe you didn't have a dad, or maybe your dad wasn't present. I want to help in a small, short way, however I can. And so take what you can from this episode. These are just some things that I thought of and wrote down. Um, But I did make a list, and we'll kind of go through it. What's interesting about the verse I just read is that Paul had just got done talking about love. You know, we all know the beginning of 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is, you know, everything. It's long-suffering. It doesn't boast. It, it, It doesn't keep account of a suffered wrong. It doesn't seek its own. But he ends with saying, when I was a child, I did this, but now I'm a man. I put off the childish things. Why would he end a chapter on love, which, okay, I feel like I have to say this because there's always someone who's going to pick everything apart. He didn't write in chapters. It was a letter. But this chapter, okay, this section of the letter, why did he go from love to talking about being a child and becoming a man? Because a child doesn't do those things a man does a child doesn't have the understanding of what it means to be long-suffering to not seek its own children for the most part you know yes we raise them in godly homes and i've met a lot of kids that are very selfless but it's in human nature because of sin to be prideful to be selfish to be self-seeking to be self-preserving but when you become a man when you get born again and the transformation happens because of Jesus, you begin to see God rightly, you begin to understand Jesus rightly, and you also begin to understand yourself because you were made in God's image. And right now we're living in a world of boys. You know, I I preach on TikTok, and I rarely scroll on TikTok. I definitely don't go to the For You page. You know, even though my algorithm is like mostly Christian content, I just don't because you can't trust anything on that app. But even on um, some videos that I've seen, it's just a lot of boys. And we need to teach these boys to become men. Women, you deserve a man. Boys, you are going to marry a woman one day, I pray, and it's not going to be as a boy. You're going to become a man. And so I want to help you do that sooner than later. Now, what do boys do? Boys take. Boys focus on self. Boys act at the expense of others. Boys love sin and they hate God. You know, growing up through school, I can think about the boys that I hung out with and we did all of those things. It was all about us and our reputation and and having a good time and who we were talking to and who we could whatever... That's what boys do. Boys don't give. And I want to help you because, listen, no self-respecting woman is going to marry a boy. Boys are loud. Boys are prideful. They're compensating for insecurities or a lack of identity. Boys argue over reputation and territory. I've met 40-year-old boys, 50-year-old boys when I was a police officer. Many of the guys that I arrested were boys. You're not going to find men out there doing crimes. You're going to find old, grown kids running around with guns and doing a whole bunch of stupid stuff. Living out of their flesh. That's not what men do. 
While boys are arguing over reputation and all these things, men understand, one, that everything belongs to God. We just steward things. We don't actually own anything. And reputation with man means nothing if it doesn't glorify God. If your reputation is one that makes people see Christ in you, that's a great reputation to have. When I think of Billy Graham, I think about Jesus. I think about the impact he made and how many lives he pointed to God. That's a great reputation. But there are others that I think about and their reputation only glorifies themselves. Or worse, it glorifies sin. That doesn't mean anything. And when you die, you're going to stand before God and you're going to give an account for your life. And who cares how you're remembered on the earth? Your soul is the only thing that's eternal. Men understand this, and men give their lives to Jesus and have eternal life. And they spend their lives trying to further his kingdom and not build their own. You know, our Savior, Philippians 2, says that he made himself of no reputation, but he came in the likeness of a man, and he came as a servant. So, men, love and serve God. Now let's get into some practicals. Let me father you a little bit. And these are not in any particular order. But here we go. Men are on time. And listen, being on time is late. Being early is on time. Because if you're early, there's no way that you could be late. But if you shoot to get there right on time, you're probably going to be late. Even a minute or two late is late. It's unacceptable. You're making people wait on you. How can you lead from the front if you're late? How can you be a leader if you're constantly showing up and saying, oh, sorry, this happened? You know, that might happen once in a while. And that's why we have grace with people. Because look, we're, we're living lives and we don't control everything. Like, I can't control that you hit every red light on the way. You know, say that it takes you an average of 20 minutes to get somewhere you left 25 minutes early, you gave yourself a five-minute buffer, I can't control if there was an accident and that's why you're late. That's understandable. If you live 20 minutes away and you left with 18 minutes to get there, that's your fault. You're going to be late. You're going to have to speed to get there. Maybe you catch every green light and you still get there and you're one minute late and you're like, oh, sorry, you know, I'm only one minute late. No, you left late. You should have left well before that. I try to get places about 10 minutes early so that no one is waiting on me. It's just what you should do. Even if you're not the leader, even if you're just a participant or a member of a team, act like the job that you want. Don't you want to be a leader? And if you don't want to be a leader, I would ask why. Why not? Why don't you want God to use you? Everyone should be acting as a leader. Christ paid for you to be free. You don't have to have fear of man. You don't have to feel unqualified. Even if you're a member of a team, do what a leader would do. Be early. Be on time. Be prepared. Have something to contribute. Don't just come and breathe up all the good air while everyone else does the work. You know, boys constantly have excuses. Men don't need excuses. If you're early, there's no chance of you being late. Don't procrastinate. You need to stop. Some of you need to stop procrastinating. 
Because listen, let me tell you something that could change your view on procrastinating. Procrastinating is actually saying, I don't value this enough to make it a priority, so I'll do it later. You're putting other things ahead. If you have somewhere to be, say at 9 o'clock, and it takes you 20 minutes to get there, you better be leaving by 8.30. So you can get there at 8.50, and you have a 10-minute window. You can sit in your car on your phone. You can go get a seat for the team, or you can, whatever it is. You're there. You're ready. No one's going to be waiting on you. If you don't leave until 8.40 or 8.45, what were you doing up to that point? Because whatever you were doing before you left, you were saying was a priority. And if you said, well, I had a lot to do that morning, wake up earlier. If you wake up at 6 a.m., there's no reason that you should be busy all the way up to 8.45. If you are, wake up at 5.45. If that's not early enough, wake up at 5.30. There's always time in the morning you can wake up earlier. If you say, well, I wouldn't get enough sleep. Well, you might be sleeping too much. And maybe you need to go to bed a little bit earlier. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Some of you have this habit of procrastinating or this lifestyle, and then you wonder why women leave you all the time. That's because you're doing it in relationships. I want to break something to you. It's not them. It's you. Women don't want to be waiting on some boy because then what happens is you begin to be inconsistent and if you're inconsistent then there's no stability and if there's no stability then there's no way they can trust you and if they can't trust you they're not going to be with you i can trust someone who's always on time and who's always ready to go that's a great place to build a foundation here's another one always be early yeah i said that dressed well and informed You'll never fail if you can do those three things. When I was in the military, it was, hey, be at the right place at the right time in the right uniform. If you can at least do that, we can work from there. So start by waking up early. Sleeping in is for children and maybe weekends. Every successful business person that I know or that I have looked into wakes up before 7 a.m. and most of them wake up at around 5.30 in the morning. I try to wake up around 5.30 every morning. Even when my son came, I was trying, 5.30, 5.30, 5.30. We started going to bed a little bit later because his feeding schedule, guess what? I shifted just a little bit. We started going to bed around 12.31, I would wake up at 6 or 6.30 every morning. And if I had somewhere to be at 8, I would still wake up at 5.30 or 6. Because I needed time with the Lord and I needed time to exercise. Make your bed every day. I try my best to do this one and this is different because, you know, I'm married now and I wake up quite early and um, my wife is still asleep sometimes with our son. Or if we get up together, you know, I'll try to make it. But whenever I can, I will make the bed. Listen, it's the first victory of the day that you can have. We need these little victories. We need to feel like we're actually doing something. Think if you wake up and you don't make your bed and you're doing all this other stuff and you don't eat a good breakfast and you're not working out, you're not spending time with the Lord, you get somewhere, you're late, now you're feeling worried or bad about being late, I mean, or worse, you don't even care, but you have all this stuff going on, you have a long day, you come home and your room and your house is just a mess. That's crap. You can prevent all of that. Start by making your bed. 
No matter what kind of day you have, you come home to a clean room. That's something you can control. Here's a big one, and this has been a life changer for me, and I've tried to do it for a long time. Spend time with the Lord for one to two hours minimum. Charles Spurgeon, I believe, Charles Spurgeon said, I don't care to hear from any preacher who doesn't spend at least two hours with the Lord every day. Not worth listening to. And to be honest, most of you that are listening, including myself, are not so busy that you can't wake up and get at least one hour with God undisturbed. Most of you that are listening are not that busy that you can't wake up and get an hour with Him. You're just not. You just would rather sleep. And listen, you're never going to get to the end of your life and say, man, you know what? I'm so glad I got all that sleep. You're not going to say that. Most people that are on their deathbed, are, they're thinking about what things they wish they could have done. You know, if you sleep eight hours a night, that is a third of your life. That's just a fact. There's 24 hours in a day. Eight hours is one third of that. That means if you live to be 90 years old and you average eight hours of sleep a night, 30 of your years you spent in a bed. 30 years. Now, most of you don't need that much sleep, and you can go look into the research, but five or six hours, especially when you're devoting your time to God and taking care of your body, is plenty of sleep. I have had so many years of my life where I slept for five to six hours. I still do, and I don't need caffeine to keep me going. Now, I enjoy having a cup of coffee. Yeah, I like it. And I'll drink one before I lift just to get that as like a pre-workout to get that caffeine. But I'm not like dragging and, oh, I gotta have my cup of coffee. Now listen, we're all different. There's no condemnation here. What I'm saying is this. I have noticed since I was young, I mean, probably for the last 14 years, I've been waking up at least around 5 a.m. When I was in the military, when I was training, and then when I was active duty, it was 5 a.m. for about eight years. On the weekends, I would maybe sleep in until 7 or 8, but I could never just sleep in. My body wouldn't let me do it. But I would sleep about 5, 6 hours. I'd be waking up about, at about 5 a.m. And you know what? I felt great. I was eating well. I was taking care of my body. I was drinking plenty of water because men drink water. And I felt fine. You know what's interesting? When I got born again, I began to wake up early to give my time to the Lord. And I feel younger every year. You know, right now I have a son who's nursing. And he sleeps pretty well, I have to admit. I mean, he's a supernatural baby, just incredible in every way. Um, It's really amazing. But he wakes up in the middle of the night to feed. And my wife and I will wake up and we're like, man, I could get up right now. I feel great. And sometimes we do. There was a morning where we both woke up at like four something. He finished feeding and he went back to bed and we were like, you know what? We're both just up. And we went and we spent time with the Lord. It's amazing when you begin to devote your life to God, how there's just such a grace to do things that the world says you shouldn't be able to do, like function on four or five hours of sleep. Would you rather function on eight hours of sleep and get no time with God or five hours of sleep, but you got a solid hour and a half, two hours with God, you exercised, you took care of your body, you're eating well, 
You're just honoring the Lord in every way. Or would you rather get that extra two, three hours of sleep? Which one do you think is going to benefit you in the long run? I don't know about you, but I'd rather spend less time sleeping and more time with God and doing the things that actually matter. Ask the Lord about it. When's the last time you asked God, hey, how much do you want me to sleep? Lord, when do you want me to wake up? You should do that. I did that last year because when I became a missionary, my schedule changed. I was so used to waking up at 4.30 in the morning to go to work as a cop. Or when I worked nights, I would sleep from 7 a.m. till about noon, 7.30 a.m. to noon. That's five hours, four and a half hours. And then I would stay up from noon all the way till 7.30 the next day. But when I became a missionary, my schedule changed. So I said, God, when do you want me to wake up? And he said, 5.30. And I said, okay, when do you want me to stop waking up at that time? And I have never heard anything different. And in wisdom, when I started going to bed later because of my son, I bumped. I went to bed an hour later. I woke up an hour later, but I was still getting that same amount of sleep. But I asked God about it, and he spoke. When's the last time you asked God um, how much sleep you should get? Anyways, that's enough on sleep, but I think it's important because we don't even think. We just sleep until we wake up, and that's lame. Even on the weekends, why sleep your life away? Set an alarm, wake up at 7, go for a run, go work out, do something. Anyways, real men take care of themselves. They shower every day. Listen, I was a wrestling coach in high school. For a high school, not in high school. Uh, I was a high school wrestling coach for four years. And I can tell you that these kids smelled like crap sometimes before they ever got to practice. And I would ask them if they showered. And sometimes they didn't want to answer me. We hadn't even started practice yet. I'm like, did you have gym today? No. Did you work out today? No. I just had class. Okay, well, you stink, man. Like, did you shower? No. Okay. Boys skip showers. Boys don't get haircuts. Boys let their facial hair do whatever they want. We don't want to be boys anymore. We want to be respectable men. We want to steward our bodies and our lives. Take a shower every day with soap. Keep a nice haircut. When I was in the military, I got a haircut like every nine or ten days. Now, granted, I was in the military. I needed a clean cut, but there was something fulfilling about having a nice haircut. And now I still like to keep that up. Not quite every 10 days, but I don't want to look raggedy anymore. And I've noticed that one or two times of meeting someone who's very important and you are not well kept up, you get embarrassed. They don't even need to say anything. You just feel like, I wish I had a clean cut. I wish my fingernails were clipped. I wish you're just thinking about all the little ways that you could just take care of your body. We'll just do it all the time. And you're always ready, so you don't have to get ready. Shave, trim your facial hair. Shave it. Shape it if you're growing a beard. Do something. Don't just look like a bum. Brush your teeth every day. You should at least brush your teeth twice a day. In the morning, when you wake up, before you leave the house, and at least at night before you go to bed. If you can get another one in there, that'd be great. At least floss throughout the day. That's where bad breath comes from, is from the food that gets caught in between your teeth. Listen, this might sound silly to some of you, but I guarantee you there are some boys that are listening to this that don't have dads and that they are taking notes. 
And one, that grieves my heart. But two, I'm thankful that I can at least give you something. Listen, guys, you don't want to have bad breath. I can't believe I have to say that, but I, I meet a lot of people and, you know, some people have bad breath. And statistically, most of you guys don't have a mouth disorder. You're just kind of lazy. And it's kind of gross. Brush your teeth. Don't skip it. Wash your clothes. Wash your sheets. Listen, we've come a long way in the laundry game, okay? Get the high-efficiency detergent. I haven't seen an old-school washing machine in a long time. It says H-E on the bottle. You get in there, you pour some liquid in right where it says liquid detergent, put it on normal, and just wash it. Throw it in the dryer with a dryer sheet. Dry it up. Wash your sheets, like regularly. You know that you shed skin every night. Think about how much of that adds up over the course of a few months. That's nasty. Wash your sheets. Real men exercise. Let me tell you something. It's scientifically proven that you will extend your life. I believe it's 20 to 30 years by doing hard physical exercise three to four times a week for only a half hour. I'm going to say that again. 30 minutes of hard exercise three to four times a week. That is nothing. And it's proven to extend your life by about 20 to 30 years. It's scientifically proven, which means that if you don't do it, you are reducing your life what it could be by 20 to 30 years. That's a lot of time, guys. I'm 31 years old right now. I could add 30, I am adding another 30 years to my life by exercising. Let me ask you a question. Why are you still talking about exercising, but you're not doing it? You are not stewarding the body that God gave you well. And where is going to be the grace for you to pray to recover from a sickness that you get as a result of you not stewarding your body well? Jesus Christ healed every person that was sick and that needed to be healed. Let me ask you a question, though. Where is the grace for you to pray to recover from a sickness or an affliction that is self-imposed? When God has been telling you, you need to take care of your body, you need to take care of your body, you need to go to the gym, you need to work out, you need to get your heart pumping, you need to get your blood pumping, you need to run, you need to lift weights, you need to do something. Come on, just get in there. And you ignore, and you ignore, and you ignore, and you eat crappy food, and then all of a sudden one day you're wondering why you have all these health issues. I've seen a lot of overweight ministers not do so well in the health category. And there are plenty of fat preachers that have died or that had significant health issues because they were out of shape. We can't talk about stewarding what God has given us if we're not even stewarding our own bodies. There's no reason that you should not be exercising. Guys, 20 to 30 minutes a, a day, only three to four times a week of hard exercise where you're breathing hard. Go do some sprints. Go run around a track. Go put shoes on and run in your neighborhood. Go to the gym, LA Fitness or Planet Fitness. You can get a $10 a month membership. Lift weights until you're out of breath and your muscles hurt. And do it a couple times a week. You'll feel better. You'll look better. You won't look skinny and frail and like you're dying. You will start to fill out your clothes. It's not about looks. 
it, 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 you can tell when someone's taking care of their body. It will look good on you. Men, if you're married and you're like a skinny twig, your wife loves you like she loves you. I pray that she does. That's why you guys got married. You start working out and she's going to go, wow, you look great. Like you're really filling out your clothes. You just look good. You look healthy. That is what we were created to look like. We were created to not be skinny and dried up and frail. They didn't have all of these convenient things that we have nowadays back in the old days. They didn't have cars and they didn't have cell phones and they didn't have Amazon Prime. Like men back in the day had to go out and they had to kill animals for food and they had to gather and forage and they had to do all of they had to build things with their hands. You don't think that they were muscular? All this manual labor, you don't think they had endurance? We're becoming weaker as a society and you can stop that. Real men eat well. They don't eat Pop-Tarts and Hot Pockets every day. They cook food. Look, you study the latest video game walkthrough and breakdown on YouTube, but you can't cook? Come on. You can learn anything on YouTube. When the, when the whole thing hit in 2020, I learned how to cook. I, I was kind of cooking, but my wife and I watched Gordon Ramsay stuff all the time. And I watched a bunch of YouTube videos. And now I love to cook. And you know what? We cook almost every night. And we love to do it. And you know what? Our food is really good and it's healthy and it's cheaper than going out to eat. You can learn to cook. Finances. Let's talk about that. Real men steward their finances well. Hey, how are you spending your money? Do you even know or does it just slip away? Are you just wasting it on random things and food and putting gas in your car because you just drive all over the place for no reason? Are you wasting your money on experiences? What are you doing with God's money? No, I'm not against having a good time. When I bought my first car, I was 20 years old. I was a Mustang GT. I went out for drives and I set money aside specifically for gas because I knew, man, I'm going to be driving this thing all over the place. It's fun. I wanted to do that. You know what else? I had a savings account and I didn't have any other debt. Stay out of debt as best you can. I understand having a car loan or a, a home loan. That would be great. Men should be looking to own property and land. I understand having loans for school. That, that stuff is understandable. But that should be your priority to pay off. I'm not impressed when I find out that someone has a ton of debt and they're just buying a whole bunch of crap. And they're not paying off their debt. Because listen, if you're in debt and you're buying crap, that means that you're further in debt and you're definitely not saving money. Let me tell you something that might blow your mind. Saving $500 a month for 40 years at a 7% interest return, which is pretty decent and you could, you could find an account that will pay back about 7%. Especially if you have a nice chunk of money to put into it. But say at first, you can't start with 7%. It takes you a year or two to get into an account like that. But for this example, only $500 a month, $6,000 a year, that's not that much, for 40 years. Guess how much money you'll have in 40 years? $1.7 million. And you want to know something? The majority of people, you can save more than that. 
You can save more than $500 a month when you're stewarding your money well, when it's unto the Lord, and when you're debt-free. And you know what? When you're tithing to your local church or whatever group you're a part of or to a missionary. We have people that aren't a part of a local church right now or they're between churches. They tithe to us. They give their 10% to us. And they have told us, I have never been more blessed since I've been tithing. And I can tell you for myself, Jess and I tithe more than 10%. I don't say that to brag. I'm saying that is what we feel led. The 10% is what we owe God. That's biblical. We owe that to God. And we like to give an offering above that 10%. That's our conviction. Why? Because there was a day when we were paycheck to paycheck and we didn't know how we were going to pay for our mortgage. And we really sought the Lord and we sought counsel and they helped us see that we were not stewarding our money well. And we began to track every single dollar that came in and we gave an assignment to every single dollar. We paid off debt and we started putting money in savings. And two years later, we are debt-free minus um, like one student loan that she has, I believe, that we're paying off. But we are able to give and save more than we ever have. All of that started because we understood we were not stewarding God's money well. And the first thing we began to do is we said, oh my gosh, we haven't been tithing. Now, when you're paycheck to paycheck, the last thing you think of is taking 10% of money you already don't have and giving it to the church. But we said, I would rather live off of a 90% that's blessed than 100% that's not. How can you obey God if you're being reckless with your spending? God doesn't want you to be a slave to anyone, including financial institutions. That's not prosperity preaching. That's saying, hey, steward your money well so you can pay off your debt so that you can be free. Because you know what? I felt like God was calling me to do ministry, but I couldn't because I couldn't pay to go anywhere. I was stuck at my job. I couldn't move because every time I wanted to move or do anything, the question would come back, well, how are we going to make an income? Or how are we going to pay our bills? Or how are we going to provide for the family? I was a slave to that job because I needed it for a paycheck. And we began to steward our money well, and we set ourselves up with the plan that we would sell the house that we owned. We would make this income because when you own a house, the value is going to go up every year. We were going to take this money. We were going to live off of this. We had money and save. We were stewarding our money unto the Lord so that we could be free to do anything he called us to do. That was my goal. I said, Lord, I want to be able to go anywhere you call me at any time. I don't want to be a slave to a job. What if every person had a way to be completely free, not worried about finances, and they could just follow God's voice anywhere he calls you? You have that ability, and it starts with stewardship, not income. Jess and I did not get to this place of being free by getting a promotion or getting more money. We never did. All we began to do was steward the money well. And as a man, you need to understand this. Because a girl does not want to be with a boy who is reckless with his money. Steward it well. Dress well. You need to dress well. Now again, that doesn't mean that you have to be rich and buy a bunch of brand, brand name clothing. No. But look at yourself. Are you still wearing the old t-shirts that don't fit from, from school and 
the old jeans that are now hiked up above your ankles or they've got holes in them and you're still wearing the old dirty sneakers from before, but you're spending all of your money on other crap like experiences and movies and buying, you know, collectibles and whatever else. I'm just saying, examine yourself. I knew homeless people when I lived in Washington that dressed nicer than some millennials and Gen Z that I know. They only had one or two outfits, but they wore them all the time. I saw them on the same corner every time or in the same place in the mall every time. They had on a shirt and a tie and slacks. You know that on airplanes, people used to dress up in a suit to fly. It was like a big deal. And now we have people wearing pajamas and Uggs. I'm just saying, we're heading downhill. It's only going to get worse unless you become part of the solution. And this isn't a method, what I'm saying, especially with finances. It's not a method like give to God, he'll give back to you. That is using God. I'm saying you need to honor the Lord and recognize that everything you've been given is a gift and say, Lord, I want to steward this well. I'm sorry that I haven't tithed. I'm sorry that I haven't been a blessing. I haven't been generous. I've been reckless with my money. I want to honor you. I want to give to others. Please, I ask that you would just have grace with me and help me in this area. And you will be amazed at how blessed you become. It's just God's nature. It's what he does. He blesses those that are generous and he blesses those that give everything back to him. It's a heart position. Many women are going to avoid getting involved with a man who isn't stable. Are you stable? Are you selfless? Do you ever do things for others for no reason than to just love them? Even strangers. Like, think about this. A small example. Real men should always hold the door for people. As best you can. As much as I can, I try to be the one to grab the door and I hold it. I don't care if I'm there for a minute because a bunch of people are coming through. I want to bless them. And that's just what a man does. A man will hold the door for someone else. Real men are aware of what's going on in the world. You don't have to be uh, an expert on all things news and all things current events. But you should be aware. Take 10 minutes a day and just flip through the news. Now, not don't go to Fox. Don't go to CNN. Don't go to MSNBC. Find a, an unbiased, as best you can, news source and just get aware. What are, what are other countries doing? What's happening in your state, in your city? Just look and so you're aware of the times. Don't be blind to the times or you'll never be able to be a voice in the times. It's important to know what's going on around you. Don't be consumed by it. Don't give all of your day to it. Just be aware. Another thing that men should do, read books. Books expand your intelligence and your vocabulary. And some of you really need that because speaking of vocabulary, I hear the most uneducated, ignorant, words coming from the mouths of people on social media and in person. There was a day when that was the language. Maybe it was in your school, but listen, no self-respecting man is going to get hired anywhere or attract any respectable, God-fearing woman when you're speaking 80% lingo. Like what God-fearing woman is going to run after a man that's like, bet, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean... I can't even think of some of these other words. And I'm not being mean. I'm telling you, 
it's not a good thing that our language is taking the turn that it is. When you go back and you read some of these amazing authors and these poets and, and these people who wrote these books back in the 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, and you look at how people talk now, it's like, what happened? Listen, if I tell you, if I say, hey, can you be here at nine o'clock? And you're like, bet. That is the most ignorant response. It sounds so uneducated, so childish. So I would be like, okay, you know, uh. and maybe that's just because of the way I grew up. And that's, and in, when I was in school, we were taught English. And yeah, we, we had some slang and we talked like that with our friends. But when I was with an adult or when I was in a professional setting or when I wanted to show people that like I wasn't a joke of a person, I would talk like a man. My dad taught me that. Someone said, hey, can you be here at nine o'clock? I would say, absolutely. Or yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Or yes, I can be there at that time. Call me crazy, but like that is the English language. We should be using that. And again, that doesn't mean you can't ever have fun or you can't ever talk slang with your friends. Use discretion. Boys do not use discretion. Boys just do whatever they want whenever they want to do it. And part of this comes from this issue. You need to listen more than you speak. Boys will just jump into any situation and they will just insert themselves. A man will feel out the room. A man will come in and just observe. Even Paul says, I can be all things to all people. You can't be all things to all people if you're just like, well, this is me and this is who I am and I'm never going to change and I'm not even going to feel out the room. I'm just going to come in and I'm just going to be myself because that's who I am. No, there's a place where you can just walk into a room and just be quiet and just observe. Feel out your audience. Even when I, I remember when I was a drummer, I, I loved playing hard. It was fun. But I actually got rebuked one time because, you know, I play with a lot of passion. I, I was a worship drummer. It's not like I was passionate about playing ACDC or something like that. I was worshiping God. But I had a, a worship leader come up to me and they said, hey, you're not reading the room. We're in a small room. You don't have a cage and you're just wailing on the drums like you're murdering people's ears. I get that you're passionate, but you need to understand your audience and you need to play to the room. And it changed me. It hurt for a minute. I was offended and I laid it down and I said, OK, you know what? You're right. As much as I hate playing with hot rods, which are the little, you know, wooden wooden little sticks that they tape together and it's just not satisfying to hit the drums with hot rods. Some of you might know what I'm talking about. I like a good 5B, you know, that I can just lay into the drums. But that wasn't the room. I needed to feel out the room and I needed to play to the room, not just how Shane wanted to play. Many people need to act like this when they speak. And listen, if you begin to listen more than you speak, when you actually speak, it'll matter. It won't just be like, oh, there he goes again, you know, saying something else. People will begin to glaze over when you talk. They'll begin to just overlook what you're saying if all you do is talk all the time. Because nine times out of ten, if you're talking all the time, probably 80% of what you're saying is not that important. And people won't even care to listen for the 20% that is. 
Now, when you do speak up, you need to speak up for something that's right. And I'm getting ready to close here. Again, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just a few things that I came up with that I see that are glaring issues in many boys that I've met. Speak up for what's right. If you want to talk so much, talk about things that matter. Stand true to your convictions. Preach the gospel. Stand up for the voiceless. And that includes the unborn. Let me tell you something. Men stand up for life. Men stand up for the unborn. Let me tell you something else. It's cool to love God. It's cool to protect life in the womb. Love everyone from womb to tomb. Before they enter the earth and when they leave. And every bit in between. No matter who they are, no matter what they look like, no matter what they're saying to you, no matter where they're from, it doesn't matter. It's cool to love people. That's what Jesus did. Jesus was the coolest person on the planet. And he was a man. And that's not a sexist thing. I'm saying he modeled it for us, so let's do it. I hope this helped even a little bit. It breaks my heart that there's people that have never been fathered and they haven't been shown some of these things. But I pray that it helps. It seems a little silly to me when I look back that I'm telling you to brush your teeth and, and dress nice and be on time. But you know what? I believe that someone needs this talk. And so I pray that it blesses you. Women, don't settle. You can't have too high of standards if it's unto the Lord. If you're just picky and you're like, well, I, you know, I like this guy, but he has toe thumbs. And I don't think it's going to work out. Everything else about him is perfect, but he has toe thumbs. You, you know, you might need to get over that. I don't know. You should pray about it. But when it comes to values, when it comes to how a man treats you, when it comes to a man's relationship with God, when it comes to some of these things that I've mentioned in this list, your standards should be extremely high because it really matters who you marry. And men, boys, whoever I'm talking to, it matters who you marry to, and it matters who you are when you get married. You're supposed to be the spiritual leader, so let's start acting like leaders. Yeah? Well, thanks for listening today. Listen, if this helped you, if you know any boys that might need to hear just some practical advice that maybe they're not hearing. Your, 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 your teachers in school are not going to tell you about stewarding your finances well and doing your taxes and making sure you're brushing your teeth and stuff. I don't remember hearing that, maybe from a coach, but... This is stuff that needs to be talked about. And, and if you know someone who could use this, hey, share this episode with them. Go review it. Give it a, give it a like. Give it a review. Give it a rate. And, um, you know, we can reach a lot of boys with this. That's the goal is to turn boys into men, men into fathers, fathers into grandfathers. And we can just begin to disciple and lead the next generation so that they can disciple and lead their next generation. Hey, I have a book out paperback and ebook it's called I will always overcome it's an it's a 9 week devotional it's only $10 and it is so encouraging listen it's how i've prayed for the last 6 years i broke it down into devotional form 3 to 5 minutes a day super simple go on amazon read the reviews for yourself there's like 32 reviews and people are just getting super blessed by it and i'm so thankful again it's only 10 bucks i will always overcome on amazon if you're looking for an incredible university that is a Bible school that's accredited, look at Faith International University, faithiu.edu. It's affordable. 
they believe in the Bible. They're not woke. They don't uh, flow with the times. They believe God and they take him at his word. And they have so many options for school. They've got a bachelor's, master's, PhD program. Here's the best part, though. I mean, there's so many good things. You should go on the website and hit request information. My friend, who's the vice president, will reach out to you and answer any questions you have. He's also the dean of students. His name's John Wheeler. But here's the best part. They assign your homework and your classes and everything, and it's due at the end of the week. You get to choose when you do class, when you do your homework. It's up to you. And for those of us that are really busy, it's nice to be able to schedule my own schoolwork instead of having a fixed time that I have to be somewhere. So I'd go check that out, faithiu.edu. We are holding a historic stadium event on September 3rd, One Voice Student Missions, Lou Engel, Upper Room, and I'm calling on 50,000 youth and their parents. Listen, whatever state you're in, I'm about to put a graph out. We're going to make one. I'm calling on a thousand kids and parents from each state to come represent. This will be a historic event. September 3rd in Dallas, Texas. Listen, 60 years ago, the courts took prayer and God out of schools, and we are having a prayer meeting, contending and believing for God to be put back in schools. So meet us there. You can find more information at the link in my bio. It's going to be a Gen Z for Jesus event. It's going to be incredible. Again, you can find me on social media at Shane.Winnings for TikTok and Instagram or on YouTube at Shane Winnings. Just search my name. We actually just passed 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. I can't believe it. I post a lot of my videos on there. So if you don't want to be on Instagram or you don't have one or you don't want to be on TikTok, I don't blame you. I post that stuff to YouTube as well as the video versions of these podcasts and other full-length teachings. So make sure you go there and check it out, the YouTube, Shane Winnings. And finally, I'm going to pray for healing like we do in every episode. I actually think I forgot to edit the last two episodes, and I did not pray, so I'm sorry. But let's pray now. If you need healing in your body, just hover your hand over the area that you need healing in, and I'm going to pray. Lord, I thank you for this person. I thank you for everyone who listened, God, and I pray that you would just speak to us what you're saying about how we can be transformed to be more like you, how boys can turn into men that can lead people closer to you, and how we can steward our lives better. God, I pray for everyone listening that has an injury or a sickness or pain or affliction, that they would be healed right now in Jesus' name. I command every limitation, every disability, every bit of pain to leave in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right, God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.